so diplomats have to move around basically every two years. And, you know, that requires a lot of flexibility and willingness to change. And I feel like that mindset, even before going into the foreign service is key because you have to be willing to accept the twists and turns of life because you don't know where you're going to end up. You might have a plan, but life gets in the way sometimes and you might find yourself somewhere you didn't expect and love it. So I feel like just going forward in my own career and my own academic path, being flexible is definitely going to get me far. Welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. While there are a ton of other leadership podcasts out there on the interwebs, this is the only one solely dedicated to developing undergraduate leaders in numerous fields. We bring in interesting leaders from a variety of disciplines and industries to dish out practical advice for entrepreneurial undergraduates embarking on their professional careers. You'll hear from leaders operating at all levels, CEOs and other C-suite individuals who are at the top of their industries, mid-career professionals only several years removed from their college days, and young leaders in school who are already doing amazing things. We feature leaders from business, diplomacy, education, journalism, engineering, law, medicine, and the sports world. It's all part of our mission here at the Pacino Leadership Institute. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pacino Leadership Podcast. I'm your host for today, Bray O'Malley. On this fine Friday afternoon, I'm with Jarrett Dang. Great to have you on, Jarrett. Thanks for having me, Brady. So for those of you who haven't met Jared, he's a junior within the Institute and hails from the diplomacy cohort. He's also double majoring in economics. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it, Jared? Yeah, for sure. So it's awesome to be here, Brady. Thank you for inviting me on and thanks to everybody at the Pacino Leadership Podcast. It's really an honor. My name is Jared Dang. I'm a junior at Seton Hall. I'm a diplomacy and economics double major with a minor in French. My hometown is Diamond Bar, California. It's about 30 miles away from LA. You know, this is my third year at Seton Hall. It's been a really, really good three years, and I've really liked all the friends and everything's I made here. Um, all my leadership and involvement on campus. I'm currently the editor-in-chief of the Diplomatic Envoy, which is the newspaper for the School of Diplomacy. I'm also deeply involved in the Pucino Leadership Institute and the Diplo cohort. I'm the associate producer for the Global Current podcast and a couple other things too. Wow, that's quite a resume, quite a resume. So you said you wrote for the Diplomatic Envoy, you said, right? Do you have any experiences there that you can connect almost with Pucino in a little bit? Like, have you had to use... Any leadership skills taught here in, say, that? Yeah, definitely. So I actually became the editor-in-chief in May. So that was at the beginning of the summer. And, you know, it's been a, it was kind of a rough transition because, you know, we had a, some of the senior leadership from before, you know, they we graduated early. So I was basically put in a position where I wasn't really sure of myself going into it. But I think it's been a very good learning experience for me because leadership's been a big part of my life, but this is probably the biggest leadership role I've had. And I'm really honored to have the opportunity to be the editor-in-chief. But I think one of the lessons that I learned early on, especially because given the situation within our organization prior to me taking over, just one of the most important things definitely is communication. And I like to emphasize that whenever I talk about leadership or, you know, whenever someone asks me what's the hardest part, it's definitely communication. Because we have a team at the Envoy of about nine editors, including myself, and it's really hard to get everyone on the same page, just because 
we have different sections, we have different section editors, but everyone has their own priorities and way of doing things. So part of my role as editor-in-chief is kind of bringing everybody together in the different sections. Like we have international news and opinion, for example. We have to find a way to bring people together to the same table so we can make a good end product and so we can be on the same page. And I feel like in the beginning, it was a little bit hard for me because I'm not usually kind of person who asserts myself. I like to take, you know, kind of a wait and see approach to a lot of my leadership stuff, even today. But I definitely learned the value of communication and being able to bring people together because definitely in an organization that's organized like ours, it's important to have everybody at the table kind of thinking the same way. But also like definitely communication when you're talking about writers and everything that any pretty much any organization I feel like communication is key so I feel like definitely that's one of the biggest lessons I've taken out of my time I couldn't agree with you more you obviously seem to have a lot of experience you've dealt with that firsthand that's definitely I see that's one of the goals of this institute is teaching us these things but then also having us dealing with them in the real world and you're you're still learning I would assume as a junior but yet you're putting it into action. Before joining the Institute, I had these lessons kind of in my head, but with the help of Dr. Price and all of the other wonderful like ADs um, like Dean Halpin and the Institute, they really helped me solidify the lessons in my head because we had the classes on like ceaselessness, but also communication. That really helped me in kind of solidifying my leadership style and how I wanted to approach stuff. Now, you just mentioned yeah, some of the pillars of our Institute, and I believe diplomacy is collaboration, correct? Definitely, yeah. That's one of the biggest things that we emphasize. Can you give us an example of how you've used that lesson in your life currently? So one of the things that we were doing this summer at the Envoy, you know, collaboration is definitely, um, we emphasize that at the Envoy just because it's so important to what we do. Because, you know, when you have writers writing their own same way, you got to collaborate with the editors or when you have editors, you need to collaborate with the other editors just to make a final product. And this summer we had a special edition and you know it's a magazine about 28 pages and there are six in-depth analysis pieces, but also this summer we had a new initiative where in response to the uh, nationwide protests, basically that have sprung up because of racial injustice and the murder of George Floyd, we actually had an initiative to kind of shine a spotlight on the black community on campus. So that required a lot of collaboration, not only within our own organization, but with other organizations at Seton Hall. So for example, we went to the Black Caucus, which is, you know, an African-American student organization on, on campus, kind of to explain where we were coming from. We got a lot of great responses from like the president of MLKSA, the Martin Luther King Scholarship Association. You know, we collaborated with the Vice President of Student Services, uh, Dr. Shauna Cooper-Gibson, and Dr. Reverend Pritchett, who's the head of MLKSA and Director of Special Projects. But basically, in this summer, we had to co collaborate basically not only to shine the spotlight on the Black community, but also to get the story right. Because the last thing we want to do is misrepresent their side of the story. So I feel like one of the big lessons of collaboration that I had this summer is learning to listen and listen effectively. It's kind of like active listening versus passive listening. So, you know, when I, we were doing the collaboration project, for us, it was really important to consult the people that we were interviewing or that we were working with, just because, you know, again, we wanted to get the story straight and we wanted to portray an accurate picture because that's basically what we're here for. We're here to serve as a platform. See, that seems, have you always been involved with social justice causes or have you kind of grown into wanting to help other people? You know, to be completely 
completely honest, Brady, I mean, I grew up in a very non-diverse community and I didn't think about these issues too much growing up. The high school I went to was basically 70% Asian and everybody who was my friend, everybody pretty much who were in my classes looked like me. So it was kind of a shocker when I came to Seton Hall. It's such a diverse campus. Um, I have friends who are international students, but it was kind of a shocker coming here because just being friends with and interacting with people who didn't look like me really opened my eyes. And, you know, in, the, in my sophomore year, I joined the University Inclusion Alliance, which focuses on combating racism and kind of talking about diversity on campus. And that also opened my eyes further because we're all products of where we grow up. And growing up in such an, in a community like mine, you don't really get those kind of lessons. So I'm really grateful for what Seton Hall has brought to me because I feel like I've grown a lot personally from, you know, having friends who are different from me, who can bring different perspectives to the table. And also the the great leadership that we have at Seton Hall who are willing to explore those differences. I'm just really grateful for the chance to become an ally in this fight now at this point in my life, because I definitely wasn't that before. And it feels good to kind of be on this track and of being an ally rather than a bystander. My personal opinion was it's never too late to get involved with that kind of stuff. It really doesn't matter what age, there's no judgment. And as long as you decide to do what you think is right, then yeah, there's no really judgment of where you came from or where you are now, you know? Yeah, that definitely, what you're talking about the diversity coming here, it definitely is a big part of why this whole ecosystem known as Seton Hall works. Yeah. And I mean, that's not to say that it's all rosy, you know, everywhere, because there's still, of course, the fight still goes on. And obviously, there's problems. We saw a protest just in 2018 or 2019, the Concern 44 movement. So there's obviously still some problems. And, you know, we have to address those. But part of the solution is listening to people, right? And I feel like at Seton Hall, they've done that, like the new vice president of student services, uh, Dr. Cooper Gibson's done an amazing job about kind of trying to transform the, the culture of the school. And we want to change the school because we love it here, right? Like, and you want to help change what you love. But I think what I was talking to her earlier today, and she said, you know, just because you love something doesn't mean you can't criticize it. And that's kind of the way I feel about Seton Hall too, because I love this place. Obviously, I spent three years here and I'm going to finish out my college education here. And I love what opportunities it's given me too. But, you know, there's no reason that we can't see the faults in it too and try to change it. You mentioned before Dr. Cooper Gibson giving you some really good sound advice. Is there any other pieces of advice that you've gotten throughout your life that you think is of high value? Something that my parents always emphasize to me is mindset and attitude. And I think that Attitude is everything when you're going into a situation because how you feel about something is, I feel like in my opinion, very much on you because your mindset going into a situation can determine how it turns out. Because if you go into a situation feeling like this is going to suck, you know, this is going to, I'm going to fail at this. I'm going to do horribly. You know, I'm not going to enjoy this. You probably won't. Exactly. You probably won't enjoy it because you're in that mindset of negativity. But I feel like because I try to emphasize this in my own life. I try to stay positive about a lot of stuff, even though stuff's obviously not perfect. But I like to stay positive about stuff because I feel that I can work a lot better when I can see the good side of stuff or, you know, see the upside rather than saying, oh, this is going to suck. You know, this is going to be boring. But I like to go into situations with that positive mentality just because when you go into that situation with a positive mindset, you tend to do better. And even if it does kind of suck, you can still see the good side in it because you learn from every situation that you're in. And regardless, there is a positive side of stuff. So that's just my mindset. I believe that that's, that's probably the common factor 
between most successful people because you're not going to see someone that's a CEO or, you know, a head of some sort of field wrecking themselves all the time because you got to stay positive and that's what really keeps going people going forward that's a you're on the right track with that one because i feel like that's that's what keeps people going you know yeah definitely one of the common things that i heard growing up is that you need to have every step of the way planned out and i'm a very plan oriented person but i've also realized the value of being flexible because i found that when you're so rigidly sticking to a plan or you have this perfect vision of your head of what you want the future to be or anything, a project, relationship or anything. You just have to be flexible because you're, you know, most of the time the expectations are unrealistic or not in line with with the reality of the situation. And I feel like keeping an open mind and being flexible is probably the best thing that you can do, you know, when starting a new career or going into a new school, because if you have, I feel like it kind of ties back to having positivity too, because if you keep an open mind about things, it's easier to be positive about it. Because if you have this preconceived notion in your head of like, this is what I want my successful life to look like, and you don't get it, you're going to be miserable. You know, I found that I didn't expect to be editor-in-chief of the Envoy. I didn't expect to be in New Jersey, but I feel like I've kept an open mind throughout just my college career and, you know, even my high school career. And that's helped me a lot, just grow into the roles that I've become accustomed to. Because if I didn't have an open mind, I'd probably still be in California, like, you know, doing my thing over there. But, you know, I like where I ended up. Now, you're talking about your mindset before. Can you, do you want to elaborate on that? And what, what other parts of it do you think will get you towards success? Yeah, sure. So the positive mindset, I feel like, kind of combines elements of flexibility and kind of just trying to see the, the best in a situation. And I feel like the way that it could lead you to actual success is just kind of being able to adapt to, to the situation and finding ways to get through it. Because, you know, there are going to be hard times and good times, but being able to keep a positive mindset through all of it will help you come out of the hard situation stronger and come out of the good situ- situations even better. And if you keep your head up through the bad times, it's definitely, I feel like a, it's like a sign of strength because your attitude also affects that of those around you. So for example, if, you know, there was a leader in a crisis situation who had a negative outlook, even though he may not realize it, his morale is affecting the, the morale of the other people because people can sense, you know, when you're troubled or you're worried about stuff. And, you know, a good leader who stays positive can also recognize the bad side, but definitely they try to keep their head up throughout it just to, if not for the sake of them, for the sake of others. And I feel like that's one of the most important things is as a leader is to kind of set the, set the tone for your team, especially in the bad times. Because a leader can be make or break for a team, but if they have the right mindset and they have the right the right attitude, I feel like they can get through anything. Yeah, a lot of people would say that what you just spoke about, that's the difference between a leader and a boss. You know, I think you could kind of agree with me on that one. Leaders lead and bosses just tell other people what to do and they have their own set of feelings and they don't expect other people to deal with them. But leaders, they, they know how much of their role affects the others. Yeah, pretty much. definitely. That's like the make or break almost. Yeah, there's definitely a difference between leader and boss because some bosses aren't leaders and some leaders aren't bosses. So backtracking or backtracking and moving forward almost at the same time, you've talked about how you have a mindset for success. What are your goals for success and how do you believe this mindset and these ideals will get you there? I guess for me, a successful career 
because I study international relations, I really would like to become a diplomat at the State Department because I actually completed an internship there in the spring at the U.S. Mission to the United Nations. I served in the oh, wow. public diplomacy and uh, press department, and it was a super awesome experience because I got to work hand in hand with real U.S. diplomats. And, you know, I even met the ambassador at some point, which is really cool. But I think that I think that representing my country abroad and just keeping American citizens safe is one of my dreams because I like travel anyways. And if I can do what I love when I'm traveling, that would be awesome. But I think how I can get there is definitely being flexible because, you know, I've talked to a lot of foreign service officers, um, you know, the diplomats who work at the embassies and they definitely emphasize that it's not a real straight path most of the time because especially in the foreign service, you're moved around a lot. And this is, this is jumping the gun because assuming I'm getting the foreign service, but in yeah, the foreign service. Is, assuming is a great part of the mindset. Like just always thinking you're there. Is, that's a good part of it, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's true. No, but um, so diplomats have to move around basically every two years. And you know, that requires a lot of flexibility and willingness to change. And I feel like that mindset, even before going into the foreign service is key because you have to be willing to accept the twists and turns of life, right? Because you don't know where you're going to end up. You might have a plan, but like you said, life gets in the way sometimes and you might find yourself somewhere you didn't expect and love it. So I feel like just going forward in my own career and my own academic path, being flexible is definitely going to get me far. Also, just making connections. Like, you know, everyone emphasizes networking nowadays, but I feel like those connections really give you insight into what you're getting into. And it never hurts to just have another number to call or a number to text if you have a question about anything or if you want to reflect on other people's experiences. Yeah, definitely. Leaders leaders need friends too, you know? That's true. That's, I, I, I especially people that are going the same path together. It's always better when you do it with someone else. Networking is definitely, in my personal opinion, it's also up there with one of the key key components of what makes success. Not only just because these people are going to help you out in terms of meeting other people and getting jobs and getting great career paths and stuff like that, but it also helps for you know guidance and wisdom from someone that also has the same mindset as you. you know? Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, so as, as you're learning about leadership now, what do you, do you have any questions about leadership now that hopefully you want answered in the future? I think that something I'd like to know, like, and I'm sure there's no good answer for this, but how do you deal with dealing with your failures? Because I guess that's something I, I kind of struggle with because I, um, I wouldn't say that I'm a perfectionist, but I do reflect, I'm very self-reflective, both on the good and the bad. And you know, I do try to see the good in all the situations, but sometimes it's just kind of, you get that feeling of like, oh man, I didn't do as good of a job as I could have. But, you know, I guess my question for anyone who, <laughs> who would have an answer is like, how, how is the best way to deal with your failures? Because that's something I'm still working with. And, you know, I think I've made progress through my leadership journey because now I used to not really be able to internalize it that well, but, you know, I still... I still do find myself reflecting on that kind of stuff a lot. So, you know. Yeah, it definitely seems like a very common question. I feel like failure and almost 
and not in other parts, the fear of failure is definitely, yeah, it's definitely a big concern for people getting into leadership positions and going on a successful path. And yeah, and I still wonder about that stuff a lot too. The way I, I always saw it was almost as if you have to, no one can really teach that to you, which again, that's also my personal opinion. But yeah, that's something that you almost have to like, not be afraid of failure in order to learn how to get better at dealing with it. That's how oh, my parents yeah. me. Definitely. Yeah. I, I hundred percent agree with you, Brady, that you can't be afraid of failure. Cause you know, what's life without taking risk, right? Oh, most definitely. Then another side of that coin uh, that I've also learned is from actually my grandfather taught me this is that even though failure is a very important lesson, which he would make sure that, myself and all my other cousins heard this as much as failure is a very important part of learning you should also never go out looking for it for the sake of knowledge because that's just not going to work out for you oh 100 percent, yeah and maybe i think it's a little bit of a tangent but i think that the mindset thing plays into that too because if you go out with the negative mindset you're kind of looking you know as you said you're kind of looking for failure and i feel like if you have like a bad mindset, you're kind of in a sense looking to fail or not necessarily, but you're not looking for success. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. It's yeah, definitely about how your outlook is and you got to believe that you're going to succeed, but if you fail, you also can't be super down yourself about it because it happens. Everyone knows it's going to happen. No, no person is going to go through life without a single, without failing at all. Like that just happens. And it's going to happen a lot to everybody. I feel like you've already experienced this. I've definitely experienced this already. And everyone's, yeah, everyone that wants to do what we do and be successful is going to go through a lot of failures. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I guess just how, how we deal with those failures, how we, uh, how we learn, right? Oh, most definitely. So now to, this is kind of, sorry if this seems a little out of left field, but this is also a question I've been meaning to ask. Is there any, do you have a leadership role model is there anyone some public figure or doesn't even have to be a public figure someone you've met in your life that you basically wish to embody in terms of their ideals and basically looked up look up to i think that the person who comes to mind most immediately for me is um franklin delano roosevelt you know the the president through world war ii and the depression and i can't imagine the kind of pressure that was on him because he took office basically right after the depression or you know, he had to deal with that crisis. Then he had to deal with World War II. And I was like, how does someone have that kind of mental fortitude to just lead a country through that? But FDR, I feel like, you know, he had his faults too. But what I admire him the most about him is how he set the tone for the nation. He helped the United States get out of the depression, you know, intact while the world was kind of going to war around him. And he led us through World War II. So I feel like in my own leadership journey, I want to be that kind of role model for, you know, not the country because I'm that's crazy. But, you know, for my team or anyone who I'm working with, I want to be able to be that that kind of guiding figure and, you know, for people to look up to me and, you know, just to have that confidence that, you know, what I'm doing is right for the team that I'm leading. Yeah, that definitely. I can. That's definitely a great way to look at it. I I love the fact that you're able to connect that with what you're saying about before about mindset. Because yeah, like FDR, or yeah, just mindset, and also how 
leader's actions affect everyone around them. You know, they, they set the tone. They're the one, they're the face of the project, they're the face of whatever they're leading. And so their resilience and their almost toughness in able to get the stuff done is definitely what helps everyone else out. So I think that's a great choice of role model. I think definitely it's a good guy to embody. Yeah, definitely. And he was able to connect like one-on-one with the citizens. You know, he had his fireside chats, so you'd be able to listen to him on your radio. He was not just some aloof figure, you know. He was able to connect with his, you know, the citizens, which I really admired about him too. Yes, he's definitely the right person that you want to, you know, take after, take after their vision. Now, i am uh, got one more question for you, Jared, and then I'll let you go, okay? All right, got Sounds good. So do you have any sources of books or documentaries or any type of media that you've uh, either read or viewed or just taken in in general that you feel has led to your success and your good goals and your good mindset? Hmm. I don't know. You're reminding me right now that I need to read more. <laughs> I swear. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that honestly, if I'm, if I'm answering the question super honestly, it's just reading the news because I, I'm super big on current events and I like to keep up where, whenever I'm able because, you know, part of my interest in international relations is news and politics. But I feel like the one of the best services you can do to yourself is be informed about the world around you and just kind of like to know what's going on because knowing is half the battle. And if you aren't informed, you're not going to make change. So I like to keep up with the news whenever I'm able to. There's so much going around in the world and just being informed, I feel like can lead you to make more informed decisions. Um, and it can give you perspective on what other people are going through. But yeah, that's just some that's just something I do on a daily basis just to keep myself sharp and to keep myself informed. Um, I definitely recommend, you know, everyone to read the news just because, you know, even though it's super depressing nowadays, um, it's good to keep up with it, with what's going on. No, yeah, that, that seems like a very good routine because how, how is someone expected to help others if they don't know what these people are going through? They don't know what, yeah, they don't know the events that are going on. It is, I have to agree with you, it is a little depressing reading the news or just any current events at the moment, but we still have to, we still have to stay informed with that stuff so that we know what's, we see what's wrong, and then we almost have a better understanding of how to fix it. That's yeah, always definitely. been my, it's always been my view, and I, I can assume that's probably been yours too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I agree with you. Knowing is half the battle. Mm, most definitely, most definitely. Well, that's our time. Thank you, Jared, so much for doing this podcast. I think it was very, very, very good interview, very enlightening. You definitely had a lot of good stuff to say. And yeah, thank you from me and our listeners too. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Brady. I mean, thank you for being such a great host. And thanks for everyone at the Bucino Leadership Podcast. I mean, I really appreciate being a guest today. On behalf of everyone at the Bucino Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank all of our podcast listeners, the podcast team, as well as 89.5 WSOU Pirate Radio for allowing us to use their facilities. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership and on Twitter at Shu Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.